This message is brought to you by Heartland Family Fellowship. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. We thank you for listening in on our podcast and hope that the Lord does bless you as you listen today. We want to welcome our online listeners. We particularly want to welcome our new outreach ministry in Liberia uh, through our podcast. We are very, very excited about you joining what we are doing here. And today we're going to be actually talking about leaders actually having the right to minister. So those of you leaders who are out there today listening carefully, you have the right in Christ Jesus to minister. There is some details of that we're going to be covering here in a moment, but I believe this message will help you launch the ministry that you are working on in Christ Jesus in your local community. So welcome, each of you. I would like to have us take a look at the scripture, Hebrews chapter 13, verses actually, this is 16 and 17. It says, And do not neglect doing good and sharing, For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. As who will also, or as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. That passage is loaded with truth. Now, God uses, the scripture says that God uses the natural things of the world to explain the supernatural. Means you can look at a tree and you can see God. You can see the fruit from that tree and you can see and preach God. You can look at a lake and you can see and preach God. There is a lake somewhere in this world that demonstrates Christians constantly being taught, but never understanding and embracing the power thereof, the living water. It goes in alive, it goes in fresh, and something happens inside this lake. Which lake am I referring to? The Dead Sea. What's wrong with the Dead Sea? The the lake is basically worthless. But the water coming from the Jordan pouring into Jordan is always symbolic of the living water. And I don't know if you've done any research of the Jordan. If you followed all the way to the top of where the Jordan starts, a spring coming out of the ground, living water. It's rich. And it forms the Jordan, and from the Jordan it goes into the Sea of Galilee. From the Sea of Galilee it flows down into this Dead Sea. All the living water that reaches the Dead Sea, the body of the Dead Sea kills, neutralizes. Laodiceans, that person, instantly. That's what's happened to the church. 
There are so many Christians that are just simply salt that is not being given away that they are useless. And when a fresh, vibrant, young Christian or even an old Christian comes in contact with all that deadness, sooner or later that despair destroys that little body or destroys that Christian from being fresh and vibrant in Christ. If I did not have an international perspective of the church of Jesus Christ with a capital C, I would suffer with, the, with despair without question. So you see, I don't want to go into the Dead Sea. Because if I move into that kind of a church, that we are the salt of the earth, believe me. But if the, if the salt is not being given away, that salt turns useless. The only way to fix the Dead Sea problem is to open up the other end. And it would take multiple generations to wash out the salt that is actually sand in the base of that lake. The sediment from the dead church, I'm telling you today, wherever it is that you're listening, the salt, the sediment of the dead church is never going to be redeemed. It has done what it has done and it is literally a perfect building ground for the Antichrist. There's something about to happen to the world of religion very soon. And you want to know something? Your average Christian is going to be floating around in that Dead Sea and they're not going to get it. They won't even see it. It's like becoming friends with the enemy and you're saying, isn't that what we're supposed to do? Friendship means a swap of identity. It's like taking chocolate and pouring it into milk and shaking up that milk and setting that glass of chocolate milk there and say, separate it. There's no human that can. That's friendship. You see, Jesus said this, through the mind, Christ's mind inside the mind of James. Chapter 3. He said something very, very valuable in regard to this passage being able to work inside our minds and in our lives. He said something rather significant about friendship. He or she who is friends with the world is an enemy of God. He who participates in friendships in the world makes themselves hostile toward God. You know what? The average Christian in America today, we live and breathe by the philosophy of being friends with ungodly people who serve a father that starts with S. We're friends with them. We've shaken up the milk with the chocolate. Or a better example, which is an example you guys know I love to preach on, and that is take a fresh glass of milk, 
49 hours later, what's going to happen to the milk? It's going to separate. 10% is going to be pure cream, and 90% is going to be sediments of cream in water. The world is living off the sediments of the cream of the crop. Christians. Sediments. But you keep that thing shaken up. And guess what? When it comes time for that rapture. Guess what? Few. Few. Are going to make it. Those who endure to the end. Those shall be saved. Do not mix yourself with the Dead Sea. Don't allow the sediments of your righteousness in Christ Jesus to settle into the lives of your friends. Because they're going to think they're saved. And they're not. You need to come alongside people and demonstrate your friendship, your exchange with Jesus Christ in Him crucified and living through you. And to say, if you want to be a part of this friendship, you must go through this exchange. Americans have a hard time understanding that simple principle. But there are people in other countries that are listening that understand that simple message of what it truly means to be exchanged and to stay as cream and let the milk try to live off of the sediments but the less sediments that milk has the more it's going to realize it is not cream and it will want the life of Jesus Christ. Sharing opens up the other end of your life. If you take the message that you're hearing today and you just let that store up inside your container in your mind, you act as fools. It is given to us so it can be given away. You must find someone today to give this truth away to. Whether it's in a letter, a card, your husband your wife, your children, or a stranger. You've got to give it away. Because if you leave it in there, it's going to become something that produces death when it came in as life. God gave us this beautiful example of the Dead Sea, the Sea of Galilee, and the Jordan, and the Spring. And where does the end times finish, folks? In the Dead Sea. You see, I want to give the Jordan away. Jordan is symbolic of identity in Christ. The Red Sea was symbolic of salvation. The Jordan, identity, exchange. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls. Every single time I open the door to minister, there's an account opened up in heaven and God is watching everything I say to them and every directive that I give them. Leaders are held in higher account when they open their mouths and say their testimony. 
And honestly, that's why most people don't want to share. It's because they don't want to be held in stricter account. Much is given, much is required. Never trust a leader who is in debt. Don't do it. The leaders you need to trust are leaders that at least work on staying out of debt or getting out of debt. Because that debt mentality is what sets the leader up for debt relationships. For you shall know where a man's heart is by looking where? In his wallet. For a man's heart is where his treasures are located. That's how it works. Let them do this with joy. Joy is the bubbling brook. It just comes out. You don't try. You don't work at it. You don't say, I got to get excited about this particular point. It just bubbles. Well, this tells us the way you suppress the bubbling process in a leader is not to submit to them. If you are or have been a parent, you understand this. The way you grieve a parent is through disobedience. The way you have them lead you through sorrow instead of joy is by disobedience. You can't force obedience. Obedience is a response of joy. So it comes back to the leader that us leaders need to maintain this bubbling brook of life. And the children, spiritual or physical, will want to be washed with that bubbling brook of living water. Is that not beautiful? But if you whip a child into obeying you, you might get them to obey you. But you are ushering them into the Dead Sea. That's how funny and humorous and lighthearted this message is to many Americans. Or Laodiceans in any country in the world. Now let's take a look at a couple details. Here's Hebrew for leader. We have mem, which is water. We have vet, which is house. We have delet, which is doorway. And then we have yud, which is the arm with an open hand. Yud. And then you have gimel, which is a camel. Now water means liquid, massive, chaos, or is massive leader. A very strong leader. You're looking at them, they're like bigger than life. It's like water. It's like a flood. Bet is the house. Into. In. Family. Delet is doorway or pathway. The place you enter. Yud is to work. Deed or to make. Gimel is to lift up. Oftentimes uses pride or describes an animal. Or more precisely, animal instinct. You put those together and you have a leader in Hebrew means the strength of a tribe that provides the pathway to deeds that lift up. So my goal from a Hebrew perspective is to be strong enough myself that I can actually provide a pathway 
so that the deeds of those who I am responsible for held in account to lift up and glorify the name of the Lord. That is a Hebrew leader. Now that can be used in different objectives, not just in lifting up the name of the Lord. Greek is to lead, command, uh, to consider an account, chief, count, esteem, governor, judge. Greek is oftentimes directly connected to banking systems. Numbers, numeric. Leaders are responsible for the numeric account of the church, of a country, of their wallets. Here's an assumption of permission. One of the most misunderstandings in ministering to others is that you do have permission to minister to them. Fact is, even though I've stepped over that line many times myself, just because someone is showing signs of needing help does not mean that they are uh, granting you permission to disciple them, nor does it mean they're even ready for discipleship. I can usually, through the mind of Christ, see within two, three sessions this person is not ready for discipleship, what they're asking me to do is to remove a wart. They're not asking me for transformation. In other words, I'm here for marriage issues. I'm here for whatever, finance issues. They're not asking for a life transformation. Did you know that from the moment that you have a thought of, I need help, if you're in the norm, surveyed, it will take you about 10 years to actually reach out for help. Ten years. That is the Western civilization norm from you having a thought when you got up in the morning, I need help. I can't do this alone. Ten years. That is absolutely crazy. But it also gives us the answer as to why the church is so confused. So when they come to this moment of I need help, they'll come in and start the process with a counselor, a discipler, whoever. But when the discipler starts getting into the real core issues of their rebellion against God, they leave. If they come back before 10 years, you should thank God because they're not of the norm. But most need to suffer a minimum of 10 years. One of the key principles in management is that expectation actually cannot be managed unless mutual agreements are put on the table. Because see, if I start managing you, Lester, in Liberia, without all these documents that I've sent you, you would be rather surprised every time I tried to manage you according to my documentation. It has to be put on the table. The Bible is a classic example when you start to counsel someone. I recently had someone cancel their counseling after one session because I used the Bible. 
That was not what this person signed up for. You see, it needs to be put on the table and it needs to be explained. This is my guide. This is my document. This is the content you need to be aware of that I use as the answers. If this is not what you're asking for, please do not come back. Because I will not adjust the gospel for you. I can't. Now, they may loop around for six months and come back to it. They may loop around for a year. They may loop around for ten years. But when they come back, they know the thing between the two of us is the Word of God. Do you see how it works? I wish the majority of the people helpers figured out how it works because most will not send them away. They will adjust things so they do not offend the brethren. Since most, if not all humans, do not like being told what to do, this becomes a significant issue in keeping the scripture out of Hebrews. Leaders are, I, I think the last that I read, are supposed to tell followers what to do. So if you have someone who's constantly questioning you, I put them in my saddlebag. I don't get rid of them. I just put them in my saddlebag. I have no time to argue with someone who is resisting leaders. I have no time for this. But I don't say that to them. That is when I take action and moving them to my saddlebag. They're not ready for commands. And in the Western world, that's the majority of the followers. They're fine as pew setters. But they are not fine when they're told what to do. Plain and simple. We are the number one models for the whole world to look at when it comes to question authority. And in most countries, they know it doesn't work. Why is America losing ground daily? Is because of the bumper sticker. You don't want to spend 20 minutes lecturing to your child on why they should obey you. You should just simply tell them to get the screwdriver out of the socket. And they'll pull it out. But if you have to lecture and lecture and lecture and lecture and lecture, who's acting as the fool here? With children, we discipline them. With adults, we let the Lord discipline them. And then classically, these are the issues that they expect to have addressed. The DR is a discipler. They want you to address why they came in, and typically why they came in is for marriage, money, fix the fix that God's got fixed on me to keep me from always getting in a fix. No, I would prefer... Not to fix the fix that God's got fixed on you. To get you fixed from always trying to fix things. That's what I would prefer. Use the circumstances to lead you to the cross. So, situations versus solutions. They come in with problem issues. They have fleshly attitudes. And they end up leaving the discipleship with unreconciled relationships. Why? 
because they're defiant to the wrong king. No, they're defiant to the right king. Thank you. Down here, and those of you who are listening to the podcast, go back to the library and download the PDF and you'll have these diagrams. Here's the reality. They have relationships that must be reconciled with the mind of Christ and you will have those issues resolved sooner or later in your life. The key is reconciliation. Okay, someone share with us the only ministry that is mentioned in the New Testament. The ministry of reconciliation. There's no ministry of music. If you ask someone, well, what's your ministry? Well, I have a deliverance ministry. Really? You ask another person, what's your ministry? Well, I have a music ministry. Or I have a finance ministry. You know, it's kind of like they're eating a sandwich with white bread. There's nothing in it with substance. We are called to a ministry of reconciliations. God is asking us, who are you not reconciled with? And the number one relationship, as we know, the last verse in the Old Testament is? It's worth 20 points. Exactly. There will come a day when one of these two prophets, Elijah, will come back and restore the hearts of the fathers to their children, the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite your land or your tribe with a curse. In Hebrew there, land means tribe. Actually, all land means tribe to God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 is the passage on the ministry of reconciliation. When we focus on the ministry of reconciliation, starting with our fathers and moving down from there, there will be a release of the mind of Christ in you a way you have never seen before. But if you constantly fix issues and problems, you'll have to do them with your own mind and you're going to end up with more unreconciled relationships. Really a simple plan. So gaining an agreement of expectations is a very influential way of establishing cattle rails for the whole discipleship process. Here's how it works. The discipler should not fix these. The world, Satan, and the flesh. Satan wants you to become friends with the world Because he knows it will set up a hostile relationship with who? God. The devil wants you to have a friendship with him. Because it puts him in the role of being a father figure. What did Jesus say to the Pharisees? For you are of your father, Satan. I want to be like Jesus and not mince my words. I want to say it as it really is. He wants friendship between you and him, even if you already are born again. He wants friendship with you to him so he can function as a father. And he will. He wants you to be good friends with your flesh. 
Because see, we never shoot our friends. We feed them. We give to them. We take care of them. Because they're kind of one with us. These are to be used by the discipler as cattle rails to lead the person to death. That passageway, that little drilled hole through the cross is so narrow, very few are going to make it through there. And the world and the flesh and the devil and the other bar at the bottom is problems and circumstances need to be used by the discipler to walk that person in through a death and dying process where they are reduced to saying, I am nothing. To get through the passageway of the cross, you have to be nothing. And until that happens, you can preach it, teach it, walk around and say that you know the exchanged life, but you do not. Unless you embrace fully the nothingness of our identity in Christ. Then it still will be difficult for a while. But it will get easier and easier and easier and easier and easier. And you only go through that pathway passageway that delet once it's supposed to be upon salvation but I'm afraid that's not the case with most people so a two-way commitment like that you know obviously helps keep things in line and when they are tempted to quit the process they are reminded of these facts because it's been talked about or written out. In our present age of the postmodern church, which everything is pointless, most minister others because they are paid to. So whenever you invite someone into ministry, they want to know if they'll be paid. Well, in order to be paid for something, you have to go get a degree in it to see how it goes. Once you have your degree, you can expect them to pay you because of your investment in the degree. What a confused church. You see, once you become born again and the mind of Christ possesses your very mortal body, you are actually supposed to go into ministry. If you've got to make a few tents on the side, go make a few tents. But don't make the tents your career. Do you guys hear me in Central Africa? Do not make these your career. Make the tents. Sell the tents. Sell the tents at a good price, but you must give the money to the church. And that means taking care of your family, taking care of your orphans, taking care of, of your community. That's what the church does. True ministry frequently involves hard choices in the midst of fiery trials. When the two of you, meaning your discipler and the disciplee, are in the middle of the furnace, you have this agreement where you can, I actually have it typed out, I can slide the agreement in front of the person and say, read paragraph 7, which says, 
Not always, but frequently it happens that when a person begins to face the consequences of their flesh, they, have been, they become overwhelmed with the temptation to quit. I say this in order for you to be enlightened so you understand the progress that you're making. That's the moment where Satan wants the deception to work the most. It's time to quit this guy. It's time to quit this gal. When in reality, you are split seconds away from being pushed right through the, that small passage in the cross. No, but they go back out for another nine and a half years and suffer all the more. Since the general attitude of our postmodern church is whatever, I recently preached a message in Phoenix. And it was one of the most, for me, enlightening messages that I've given in quite some time. One of the people that was listening responded with a handful of words that was basically, whatever. I cannot tell you what that did to my soul. Because I knew that the message that was coming forth was from the literal mind of Christ. And the response of this believer was, whatever. What's your point? Which was actually said. What's your point? My point? But then God had to remind me. A postmodern mind that has become friends with the world cannot understand the things of God. For they are spiritually appraised. They don't get it. But I had this beautiful moment of, of realizing when beautiful, perfect power and truth were lined up and it was affecting a human mind and the response is, what's your point? God said, that is your mission. The church of Laodicea is your mission. And I wept. When I got back to my room for, for several hours, I just wept because that's the Dead Sea. That's where all this is going is the church of Laodicea because Satan knows God's going to spit them out of his mouth. If God spits them out of his mouth, they're all going to hell. And if that doesn't overwhelm your soul, you need to get on your face before God. Because some of them are your grandparents. Obey your leaders, submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. As those who will give an account. They go before the Lord and they talk about your wallet, your accounting system. I don't like it when God supernaturally reveals to me of someone who's racking up debt, but they're not confessing it. God is not concerned about the $10,000 that gets racked up. He's concerned about the heart that is back in living in debt again. Because they can't minister. Satan knows that. The truth of the matter is that when you decide to disciple someone, your name pops up on heaven's side. An accountability process starts. That's my basic accounting package. 
and I will hold them into account of all those areas. What are you doing in your city? What are you doing with your family? What are you doing with that small... I've got to have my accounting lines in order so I can assist them in staying out of debt in those areas of their lives. God uses all those things in your life. All the things that are happening to you, all the things that, that, that God has revealed to you, past, present, all of these things are used by God to lead you to that narrow passage in the cross. So whatever the circumstances that your disciple puts in front of you, do not fix it. Here's the deal, guys. Listen to me very, very carefully. No matter what country you're in, listen very carefully to this. If you do not respect your leaders who are spiritual fathers in your life, God will use your circumstances as your father. It'll be cold, detached, and annoying to you. But God will use circumstances as your father. Because you are a fatherless child. We need fathers until we're dead. And then I need one for eternity. Do you understand that? Timothy needed Paul until Paul died. And then Timothy became a father until he died. But we need a father forever. The people that go to hell actually get Satan as their father for eternity. Do what it's supposed to do. You go to heaven, you get a father for eternity. There is no third road to walk. There is no fatherless generation for eternity. You're either going to serve a father, Satan, or you're going to serve a father of Abraham. That's it. So you might as well get over your father issues today. You're stuck with it for eternity. This is what I, I quoted to you earlier about the warning. Don't panic. Don't, don't pull the trigger in temptation of, i got to get out of here. I can't stand this truth. Let truth do what it does best, and that is set you free. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our husband, who is our Lord, who is our King of kings. I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells these leaders throughout your church all over the world, that they would be empowered to speak the truth and the truth alone. I pray, Father, for our, our, our Muslim brothers and sisters who have already been elected by you to experience salvation. Father, that they would switch from the father of Ishmael to the father of eternity, the true father of Abraham. I pray, Father God, that all the salvations are, that are even going to happen today, God, that you would bring the body of Christ in and around them to grow them, not in doing, but in being who they are in Christ. I pray for the identity of your son to run rapidly throughout the entire body of Christ. I ask, Father, that this would be a day 
that each of our listeners would remember about the power of the cross, the mind of Christ, and that it is not we who live, but Christ who lives in us. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your preachers all over the world. I thank you for how they have poured out their heart and mind, Father, in communicating the truth. Those who don't understand the truth, but yet they preach the words, I pray for conviction. And those who understand the truth and do get set free, I pray that confusion would stay out of their minds. It is through the name, the blessed name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. If you're interested in learning more about our fellowship or other family integrated fellowships, please log on to our website. That is www.heartlandfellowships.org. We thank you for joining us. Get yourself in a bind, lose a shirt off your back. Need a floor, need a couch, need a bus fare.